0: I brought something today for show and tell. It's a gold coin. Some of you may not know this, but the United States of America actually has the largest stockpile of gold in the entire world. And it's by a landslide. Our government has over 8,134 tons of gold. To put that into perspective, it's about 580 dump trucks full of gold. So just imagine yourself standing by a road and watching a fleet of 580 dump trucks drive by, and dump truck after dump truck after dump truck is full of gold. What if I told you it was all fake, that truckload after truckload was actually full of counterfeit gold? You might be a little bit disappointed, but our government would definitely be disappointed to find out it was counterfeit. When something's counterfeit, it's specifically designed to imitate the real thing. It may look just like it, feel just like it, but at the end of the day, it's not the real thing. So I can hold this coin up to you and I can tell you that it's gold. I can thoroughly believe that it's gold. It looks like it, feels just like it, but how do I know if it's actually real? Well, the most effective way to tell whether gold is real or counterfeit is to superheat it in a process called smelting. So you melt it down, and what it's actually made of is revealed. So when you melt gold, it actually purifies the gold. It takes away all the impurities. When you melt counterfeit gold, it burns away the gold coating. And you're left with the less than precious metal that it's actually made of, like zinc or iron. So you know that it's fake. So keep that illustration in mind as we dive into the scripture for today. Open up your Bibles, pull up your Bible app to Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Again, that's Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. So we're looking at the Ten Commandments this summer. And Brad gave us a little bit of a backstory into where the Israelites are at this point in Exodus, but I'm just going to highlight a few key things here. So at this point, the Israelites have made camp at the base of Mount Sinai, and there are millions of them gathered. They followed Moses out of Egypt, and they're being led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But before this, they were slaves for over 400 years. And in those 400 years, they've submitted to Pharaoh, who Egypt saw as a god. But they also were immersed in a culture of polytheism, or many gods. So they participated in worship and sacrifice to those gods. But God proved that he is who he says he is when he parted the Red Seas, that he's the I am. So now in the desert at Mount Sinai, God gives Israel the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments, that's our focus for this summer in the series called Life is a Highway. And Pastor Brad, he set up the series last week. So if you didn't get the chance to watch it, go back and check it out. But he talked about how the commandments are not just a set of rules. How they're all about the freedom that comes from the guardrails that God puts in place. And there's something in each command that can teach us about God and who he is. These laws are loving instructions to us, his children, to protect us and to allow us to live life to the fullest. So the first command, Exodus 23, says, you shall have no other gods before me. So it's short, but there is some stuff we can unpack here. God's saying, There are other gods, and there's me. Put me before these other gods. Simply put, these gods are things or people that the Israelites have put their hope and trust in. They worshipped other gods. They sacrificed to other gods. They cried out to other gods. And we're no different from them even thousands of years later. So ask yourself, who or what do I put my hope and trust in other than God? Is it your family, your friends, your career, your bank account, your skills or your stuff, your health, your sexuality, your politics? Think about it. In Exodus 23... God references himself using the word me. But before the first command in verse one, he reminds the Israelites who he is. He says, I am the Lord your God. So we hear something similar in a story in the beginning of Exodus. So before Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, he was a shepherd. And one day he was tending to his sheep and he saw a bush burning, and it just kept burning. It didn't burn up. So he went up to it, and God spoke to Moses through this bush, and he called him to lead his people out of Egypt. Moses asked an important question during this conversation, probably one of many questions, but he says, who should I say sent me? God responds with, I am So God's painting this picture for us here, and he's saying, I exist, others do not. I am, others are not. God is establishing a relationship here, just like he did in the verses leading up to the first command. He's saying, you know me, you can trust me. I am who I am, and I'm your God. The very fact that he speaks to Moses proves that he's real and relational. So in God describing himself to Moses, we have this relational theme that's playing out in the first command. You shall have no other gods before me. In essence, there is no one like me who can do what I do. Don't replace me with cheap imitations. So how do we truly know That God is the I am. That he's the existing God who wants a relationship with us. While these other gods are just cheap imitations or counterfeit. Remember smelting? While the same test that we use for gold can be used to determine whether God or those other gods are just cheap imitations. So how do you tell If what you put your hope and trust in, other than God, is real or counterfeit, things have to heat up. Or more specifically, your life heats up. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe you lose a loved one. Maybe someone has deeply disappointed you or you've just disappointed yourself. Maybe You feel a lack of control in your life and it's driving you mad. Maybe you received a bleak medical diagnosis for yourself or someone that you love. Maybe you're just lonely and you have been for a long time. When life heats up, we cry out to where our hope lies. And what we cry out to and put our hope in, it may not be God. Instead, It could be a bunch of other things. For me, when I'm struggling financially, I worship money. I worship being able to buy whatever I want, whenever I want to. When I feel a lack of control in my life, I worship power and influence. I try to manipulate and control others to get what I want and to feel like I'm in control. When I feel discouraged, I worship my marriage. I worship my wife. I put pressure on her to affirm me and tell me that I'm good enough. It's so easy to trust all sorts of things, to worship things other than God. And where you turn to when the heat is on, it either shows itself to be trustworthy or it'll melt. God is saying, you can trust me. This shows something so cool about God's character that when the pressure is on, when the heat is up, God sees us, he hears us, and he shows up. Let's go back to the burning bush for a bit. In Exodus 3, 7, God says to Moses, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. So God's saying, I see them. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. God saying, I hear them. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt. God saw the oppression of his people and he was aware of their suffering. This says something so incredible about God and, and who he is. He's not some being in the sky who created the world and then just let it alone. He's a loving father who watches his people and he actively sees them. God sees us because he loves us. I know a lot of you are football fans and if you are, you probably have a team that you like. And what do you do because you like that team? Well, you watch them. Those of you who are parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, you probably would say that you love your kid, your grandkid, niece, nephew, at least most of the time. So what do you do because you love them? You watch them probably pretty carefully. So God seeing or watching us is actually a demonstration of his affection, and it shows us that God is active and loving God's telling his people, I see you. God's telling you right now, I see you. Son, daughter, I see your anxiety. I see your depression. I see your fear. I see your isolation. I see your anger at everything in the world that you can't control. I see you. But it doesn't stop there. God doesn't just watch you and hit the mute button so he doesn't have to hear you. It's the exact opposite. God hears our laughter and he hears our cries. God says to Moses that he heard their cries of distress. Those cries weren't all perfect prayers. They were cries of agony and suffering. And some of those prayers were probably to other gods. Would 400 years of slavery in Egypt change who the Israelites prayed to? Just look at yourself. You or your family may have immigrated here 10, 20, 50, maybe hundreds of years ago. And over time, The culture of the country you live in is adopted, and the culture of your ancestry slowly fades. Not everything fades. We still hold on to things like music, food, certain values. But my point is this. The Israelites are settled in in Egypt, even as slaves. They look to Pharaoh as their ruler and maybe as a god, like the rest of Egypt did, but they were worshiping and sacrificing to the many gods that are part of Egyptian culture. So for them, when life heated up, they cried out to Pharaoh and those other gods as their source of hope and rescue. But Pharaoh and his gods, they weren't listening. And even though the Israelites were crying out to those gods, they weren't crying out to God by name, but he was the one who heard their cries because he loves us. And he hears us because he wants to listen. When you call out, God hears you. The God of the universe, the creator of everything in existence, hears you. He hears the fears that you share with your friends. He hears you ask your boss, For a pay advance. God hears you. So does it just stop at God seeing and hearing? No. Listen to the type of relationship that God has with his people. He says, I've seen the oppression. I've heard their cries. And I have come down to rescue them. This is such a cool aspect of God. He's a God of action. His love doesn't just stop at seeing and hearing the Israelites when they suffered at the hands of the Egyptian. It's in this action of coming down that we really see God's love for us. That he wants a relationship with you and with me. It's in God coming down and rescuing us that he makes himself available to us. God shows up. My wife Shiloh and I got married in 2017 and about a year in we started to realize the amount of work that it takes to have a healthy marriage with communication and connection. It seemed the harder we tried the tougher things got. So what did I do as a husband? I tried even harder and that went over to my relationship with God as well, I thought, if I could just do more, if I could just change myself, if I could just try harder, then my wife will be happy with me. Then God will be happy with me. So how'd that turn out? What was the result? I failed. Time and time again. And I felt lonely in my failure And I cried out to God. I prayed, but it felt like my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling. Nothing changed. I was making a Walmart run during a break from work after a particularly tough weekend. And as I walk out the exit doors, I see a familiar face. I just happened to run into my high school small group leader from youth group. And in that moment, God laid on my heart to invite him into my struggle, to be transparent with him. He's a father of three and a husband, and I just hoped he had been through what I was going through. So I asked him how he would feel about meeting up. His response, God had laid it on his heart to use his story to come alongside and disciple other men. We met almost every week and it was through those interactions that God began to change my heart and my mind. God showed up for me. I had put my hope and trust in marriage, in my job, in myself. I cried out to those gods, but God saw me. He heard me and he showed up. I want you to think about something. How has God shown up for you? All throughout the Bible, God's actions stem from a desire to rescue us and have a relationship with us. So it starts with God showing up, and it ends in relationship. And in between, God knows where we're coming from, and he meets us where we're at. God meets us where we're at. I need to hear that, and I know some of you need to hear that too. God meets us where we're at because he's immensely gracious and patient with us. He knows and understands where we're coming from when he sees us and hears us and comes down to rescue us, and he wants to show us who he is. So we see this demonstrated again as God called the Egyptians or the Israelites out of Egypt. God knew that he needed to show himself in a tangible way to prove that he is the I am and that those other gods were not. So he did some amazing things that the Israelites witnessed. He sent 10 plagues to Egypt. He created a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. He parted the Red Seas. God did so many amazing things to prove who he was to prove that he is the I am the existing God. And he knew that was exactly what the Israelites needed. He does the same thing in the text of the first command. When he says, you shall have no other gods before me. The Israelites were worshiping other gods. They were praying and crying out to other gods. When life got tough, That's where they turned, and God knew this. So God's just asking them to put him above those other gods, not expecting them to change overnight. He asks them to reorder and prioritize him. It isn't until years and years later that God speaks through Moses in Exodus 32, and he says this, Look now, I myself am he, there is no other God but me. So this shows the character of God in knowing who we are and where we're at. God is patient and kind as we discover who he is. You shall have no other gods before me. God saying, there's no one like me who can do what I do. And he's willing to prove that. He did prove it in the person of Jesus God put on flesh and he came down from heaven to walk in our mess with us, to rescue us because he saw us, he heard us, he sees you, he hears you. So when life heats up, Jesus shows up every time. There's nothing that he can't handle and he wants to just be with you and bear your burdens. When I'm struggling financially, Jesus is right there with me. When I feel that lack of control in my life, Jesus is there with me and he's in control. When I'm discouraged, Jesus is right there with me and he is more than enough. I want to ask you this question. Do your gods pass the test? When your life heats up and you cry out to your gods, do they see you? Do they hear you? Do they show up? Does your money know everything that you're going through and show up to rescue you? Does your job, do your relationships, If you're not following the real God, the I am, those other gods will eventually let you down. They will ask more and more of you until you have nothing left. And over time, you'll have given so much to them that you'll be completely consumed by them. So when life happens, the heat is on, your gods will melt away. All the money in the world, popularity and fame, sex, your dream job, none of them will pass the test. They'll all melt under extreme heat. They're counterfeit gods. God wants to be there for you when those other things let you down. This is exactly why God is saying no other gods. He knows your life will heat up. He knows those other gods that you put your hope and trust in will melt. So it's for our safety that he tells us no other gods. It's for our sake that he creates these guardrails to drive within. Because when life heats up, and it will, your gods will melt away. Will they be there to rescue you? God does not melt away. God passes the test because he's not counterfeit. God sees us and he hears us and he comes down to rescue us. He loves us so much that he came down for you and for me so that we could have a relationship with him. He came down to save us, to rescue us. You shall have no other gods before me isn't a rule It's an invitation. It's an invitation into relationship with God. So when life heats up, we turn to God and know he will always show up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a God that sees us, hears us, and comes down to rescue us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus in the flesh to do exactly that so that we can know you. God, I pray that you would reveal to us what those other gods are. Help us to set those other gods aside and to put our hope and our trust in you. God, I pray that you would just speak into our lives each day and that you would bless each person listening right now as they go about their week. In Jesus' name, amen.